there anything more important the remainder of this NFL schedule than for Kenny Pickett to get better? Nah, I don't think so either. And I do think he'll get better, as in significantly better, right before our eyes. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers were out on the fields on the south side uh, preparing really for the first full session in advance of the game against the Saints this Sunday. It also happened to be Kenny's turn to speak with the media. This was what Kenny had to say about some introspection that he'd done over the bye week about his own performance to date. I mean, I, I got to project the ball more, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm not throwing picks where I'm, you know, not seeing the coverage. You know, I, I see what's going on, whether it's a tip ball or, um, you know, there's a few that, you know, they got me on. But I, I'm, I'm processing and I'm going to the side and I know exactly what happened, why I went there. Um, so there's things I can build on, but, but the bottom line is I got to protect the football. So that's definitely something that this back half of the season needs to be a focus, you know, for me. Kenny's stats do suggest that while there's some promise within them, he can be better. He's got a 67.9 completion percentage, which isn't bad. I mean, he's an accurate passer. What needs to improve uh, by a lot are the yards and the touchdowns. He's got 962 yards. It's an average of 5.8 per completion, and the team just obviously doesn't score enough. It is exactly what Kenny says on a regular basis it is, this offense. It goes okay between the 20s, and then, you know, pfft. And it's not even just a red zone issue. It, it, it's more of one, as I see it, uh, of rhythm. Now, we can always, always lean on topic A and blame everything on Matt Canada. I am quite comfortable doing that, some of you will know. But that doesn't mean the quarterback can't improve. Uh, yes, I'd like to see smarter play calling. I'm not expecting it as long as Canada's employed. Yes, I'd like to see uh, a more dynamic or even just modestly effective running game around Kenny. I'm not expecting that even if and when Jalen Warren gets additional snaps. I haven't. You know, I, I just the, the Jalen thing, as I mentioned yesterday, needs to be proven to me, meaning he's he's not going to be running off the same kind of yards that he does on those second and long draw plays or after a penalty whenever he's not seeing anywhere near the same number of guys in the box. Let's see how he handles first down and second down. But overall, I do like a lot of what I've seen of Kenny especially, especially his ability to put the ball where he wants. If you had to come up with a list of traits that you'd value the most in your quarterback, accuracy would always, always, always be number one. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, Rigor, relevance, that's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. So what's missing? Well, in addition to a coordinator with a functioning brain 
and a running game that moves at more than 1.5 yards per snap, Kenny needs to come up with some favorites, and he needs to not worry about offending those who end up not being his favorites. That's not easy for a rookie to do. Now, he's got some stones, this kid does. I've seen it in action. I've seen the way he conducts and carries himself around his veteran teammates. He's not apologetic to anyone for being the new guy in the room. But there's a difference between doing that and then taking it on the field. Because as anybody who actually participates in the NFL can attest, as unsightly as this might seem to a lot of you, if you're taking away their throws, you're taking away their money. And it can get a little ugly and a little personal, or a lot ugly and a lot personal in some cases. I'd like to see Kenny really focus hard on George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth. Maybe in that order. And I know that might be asking a little bit much of Pickens as well. Now, we can get excited about the catches that he makes downfield, but those aren't always there, and you're not going to see some sort of great big impact splash passing attack emerge out of nowhere, especially not with this coordinator. I hate, I hate to keep doing that, but he really does infect everything, okay? Like, I, the reason that I can't even fathom that Pickett and Pickens can suddenly become some big thing is that I can't fathom them doing that with what this guy's got drawn up with these route trees that we've all looked at. They're laughable. They're laughable. People say it's a college offense. It's not even a college offense. It's a JV high school offense. But, but trying to stay within the prism of the subject matter, yes, Go to Pickens. Pound the ball his way. I don't care where it is that he lines up. I don't care what the motion is beforehand. Just get him the ball. And the same goes for Fryermuth. Get this quarterback trusting a couple of key targets. Those of you who will go back to the early days of Ben Roethlisberger will remember that Ben was able to find one or two guys that he could trust, particularly on third down, and say, listen, we're going to come up with a set of plays here that nobody can stop, and we're going to lean on those. We're going to hit those when we have the opportunities. So he would do that with Heinz Ward, with Heath Miller, and just boom, boom, boom those guys. And everybody else was gravy. Everybody else was gravy. Even Antoine Randall-L, who became a big part of the Steelers in so many ways, was never a main target of Ben's. He had his guys. Kenny needs to find his guys and hit them. That part actually is outside the realm of the coordinator, at least to an extent. Because once you're holding the football, the relationship is real simple. It's you and the potential receiver. That's it. You can throw the ball where you want. It's just a simple matter of checking down. Between that and throwing deep more consistently and developing more of a rhythm and figuring out the best possible time to send a run in this direction or that direction, whether it's via RPO or whatever. These are all areas in which Kenny can legitimately improve. And I believe that he will. When we come back, J1Q. 
Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Scott Reisinger, who asks, I know it's only halfway through this season, but can you compare it to the 1998 and 99 seasons when the Steelers went 7-9 and and 6-10, and respectively? I recall that people didn't think Bill Cowher was the right person to lead the Steelers through a transition. And then they came out of that stretch to go to three AFC championships, winning a Super Bowl over the next five years. And, of course, there was one clunker in there, too. Scott, I don't want to dismiss your question because there's a lot of people that are trying to draw parallels for where this team is now to something from the past. Uh, There have been occasions during this two and six start where my temptation was to go back to 1968 the year before Chuck Knoll came along not that I was a, a thing in that era but it's it's as far back as you have to go for that level of failure you know on on a overarching scale is it's not just about the record it's about the offense ranking near the bottom of the league about the defense ranking near the bottom of the league about the special teams not being particularly good about even discipline issues and all kinds of messes so to me i have to go all the way back my own recollection of the cower years that you cite and i was covering the penguins full time back then for the Post-Gazette, but it's not like I wasn't, you know, paying attention to the football team. And I also did uh, some football work for the PG uh, as well, off to the side, away from the beat. But my own recollection was that Cower was going to have the license to get done what he wanted to get done. And kind of similar to the way it is now with Mike Tomlin, you can't even picture him getting fired you can't picture him getting replaced and that's kind of how it felt with Cower. why pretty much the same reason because chuck knoll had his job well essentially as long as he wanted to you can argue here or there as to whether you know he got his own way out or whether or not he was pushed out we'll never have those answers uh i'd really like to think though that Chuck had his own exit there after everything that he'd achieved. But with Cower, I mean, he'd already been in place for a while. He'd already taken the Steelers to one Super Bowl that he'd have won if it weren't for Neil O'Donnell. So, I I mean, we're all entitled to our own perspectives on this, but mine is different than yours. I, I don't recall thinking that there was some big sentiment to get rid of Cower. There was a sense, this was what I do recall, that he can't win the big one. 
Um, that's always a dangerous mindset to have because the hardest thing about coaching is getting to the big one, not winning it, getting there. And he was doing that time and time and time again. And it was only going to be a, a matter of which knock on the door was going to be the one that opened it. I mean, look, this team's been terrible through eight games. We know where it is. I don't think we need any kind of uh, let's refer to such and such thing from the past and see if there are lessons to be had. I don't know that there are. The NFL's changed a lot, a lot. And for all the suggestions that come in, and there was one just with yesterday's J1Q about why don't they just line up and smash people in the mouth? Well, A, because that's really not how football's played in 2022, and B, they can't. You know, they don't have the people for it. Never mind the schemes and even the will. They just don't. Time passes, things change. This edition of the Pittsburgh Steelers has its own challenges, a lot of them not having any reference points from the past. And for me, without purporting to tell you what to do, for me, I'm way, way, way more interested in looking forward. As I've been saying all through the bye week and into this week, I'm way more interested in seeing how this offense comes together. If this defense can get back to looking like it did in that first half against Cincinnati and Miles Jack being hurt doesn't help that, but that's just an aside. If this team can come together and answer a lot of questions, meaning internally, meaning personnel-wise, meaning schematics-wise, meaning here's even more reasons to fire Matt Canada, they're going to be that much stronger heading into 2023. There's a lot of ground still to cover in this season, literally more than half of the season. Let's see how it goes. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 